Welcome to another edition of the Hotcast. I am your host, Chicago Fire editor for Hot Time Old Time Ruben Tish. And joining me as always is RJ. RJ, we had a week off due to not feeling well and schedules discombobulating. So we have a lot to talk about today. But let's start with the good stuff. The Fire won a match. Oh, I was going to say the chicken tenders in that match, but okay, we can talk about the match. Do you, do you want to do that? I, w- I was going to save the chicken tenders for our nonsense at the end of the show, but you want to lead with the chicken tenders. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's as good as uh, the one from Bridgeview. I mean, the, the fries were like well, well cooked. The chicken tenders were crispy. They were soft inside. Um, everything about it was great. The, the only thing I really hate about it was, you know, ten dollars i mean that's that's not that bad a markup right like what do you pay for chicken tendies at a restaurant right i mean if you go to you know fast food chains like five six dollars and i believe that can i mean like no like a regular like a a restaurant restaurant (laughs) i have no experience with that have you ever ordered chicken tenders at a restaurant restaurant (laughs) no uh i have never ordered them but i've seen them on the menu they are about or like a like a family chicken joint um i i don't know the prices for that i, I do know what you're referring to but i'm pretty sure they're i mean for a family size that's like what 15 bucks so well it's about ten dollars for like six tenders at the yeah really that's fair i mean chicken. back no. i believe in bridgeview the chicken tenders were about eight bucks so two dollar markup isn't that bad but you gotta pay the uh soldier field tax yeah that's true um but that set the mood like the chicken tenders set the mood for me for the whole game so um this leads up to the game so we're just not rambling i, ju- I just do want to point out the chicken tenders are pretty good gets okay, my seal so, of approval all right, so the chicken tenders at Soldier Field, good. They get RJ's seal of approval, and they set the tone because of those chicken. So what you're saying is because those chicken tenders were so good, the fire were able to win three to nothing. It had nothing to do with anything on the field, none of the tactical changes or the uh, personnel decisions, for lack of a better term. It was purely the chicken tenders. So you give me 10 minutes, I can find a way to connect the chicken tenders and Calvo's absence, but... Let's just get straight to the tactics and whatnot. Um, All right, the Chicago Fire won. Let me set the scene for you. Uh, they beat the Atlanta United, the Atlanta United, uh, three to nothing with two goals by Ignacio Alaseda and a goal by Shamislav Frankowski. You, you Ooh. could say, though, the first goal, um, at least from my point of view, um, in the stadium, it kind of deflected off Mo Adams. Um, Adams did have a leg in there, but uh, we're on the goal sheet. It says Ignacio Alaseda, which is fair, but you know, um, deflections you know. are not own goals. It has to be. I believe it does have to be like a controlled touch. That's fair. Um, but yeah, thank you, Mo. Um, you'll always be part of Fire Family. Fair enough. I knew that that's where you were going, and I wasn't sure I wanted to have you get there, but uh, you took it there. I'll give you that. Um, how do you think the switch from... Let's start at the defense, because 
Um, the we didn't do a show last week, and we wouldn't have talked about this on the show last week anyway because it was done after. Um, uh, I, I actually, I guess we would have because it would have been Wednesday against Cincinnati, and then Saturday they they switched uh, against Philadelphia. They switched to three center backs, uh, and against Philadelphia. Philadelphia scored three goals against it, but it's still, um, they still did okay. Um, but here against Atlanta, the three center backs, um, you know, did the job and they got a clean sheet out of it. So in regards to the three center backs, um, for the Philly game, um, you know, Calvo, and I'm going to praise him for a bit. I think he's more free to do what he wants. Like he can do Calvo things in a back three without having to worry, you know, about the others. And, you know, that, that can be a blessing and a curse. And, you know, as it shows, it, it was a bit of a curse towards the end or throughout the game. But um, in regards to a back three, you know, with Bornstein at the helm, you have someone who can, communicate well and you know solidify that back three so what i'm saying is i mean back three with calvo or bornstein or you know cabaloff or whatever is great but with calvo you just have a higher degree of risk sure um i think yeah i think a higher degree of risk with calvo and there's a good diplomatic way to put it um one of the things i noticed you know comparing atlanta to philadelphia is how straight of a line the center backs kept where and the wingbacks you know were pushed forward a little bit more um but the one thing that that did was it made it easier to play offside um when atlanta was attacking um one of the things we talk a lot about here especially about calvo is his inability to organize a a defensive line to where they can play offside traps and stuff because inevitably someone will always be further back um and it's usually it's usually Calvo's partner because he doesn't because he sort of moves up without telling the rest of the defense push up push up or whatever. Um, with Bornstein essentially leading the defense, it, it was a lot more organized. They moved together a lot more. Um, there was a lot more single purpose on defense. Um, when when deciding whether to make the line higher or um, back off a little bit and, and give Atlanta you know some room and give them some room so they didn't you know get torched or whatever by Cuba uh, Torres, um, so th- that is the main difference with the club with Calvo and without Calvo is that without Calvo. They look to be a lot more organized than they are with Calvo. I'm I I don't think that's wrong. 
me saying that. Granted, it's a one-game sample size. They're playing Orlando, who is at the moment in better attacking form than Atlanta is. Atlanta has a lot of problems uh, on that front. But just, you know, viewing one game to the next, that, that's what I'm seeing. Am I, am, I, am I crazy here? or No, you're not. And I actually think, you know, um, Bornstein did a really good job with, you know, communicating and organizing defense. But I think, especially against this Atlanta B team, where um, Zequel wasn't getting any sort of service at all, I think they could have been, you know, a little bit more riskier, especially with the wingbacks. Well, the thing is, without Joseph Martinez, Atlanta is sort of just Ezekiel Barco and a bunch of guys. So it's really easy to take Barco out of the game, and then they're left with nothing. I think, um, while Fabian Herbert didn't do a lot offensively, I think on defense, um, he he was definitely you know one of the main reasons why Barco couldn't do anything. He was sort of shadowing him all over and made it difficult for Barker to get the space he needs. Um, we saw a couple of times him, you know, getting out and, and breaking through, and there really wasn't anyone else uh, there with him to help. So I think that uh, they did a good job taking Barco out of the game, which is the other sort of um, thing they needed to do if they wanted to win. Uh, and unlike in Atlanta, they did it successfully here. Um, and, and I think that contributes a lot to, you know, their success. Uh, I also think they looked so much better on offense. Because with Calvo there, the defense took care, or without Calvo there, the defense took care of the ball and was able to transition to an attack in a timely manner, and I think that also helped. Yeah, and I actually, I, I do want to praise the um, attack, and, you know, I also want to praise Barrich as well. I know he's he's gotten a lot of flack from, from us and, you know, from the hashtag and, you know, from elsewhere, like um, other forums that I won't name, but... Um, oh, you can say Reddit and Big Soccer. Big Soccer. Yeah, you can say Reddit and you can say Big Soccer. That's fine. Um... A lot of youth spend big soccer. Don't want to admit that. But anyway, um, you know, Birch, you know, he, he doesn't score, but he, he's actually more spatially aware. I've noticed from these past, I just want to say two games, um, he looked really lost against uh, Cincinnati. But for, the, for these past two games, especially um, in, you know, the game against Atlanta, I... I watched everything on the Jumbotron. I, I couldn't watch, you know, a replay of this match, unfortunately. But I he provided that run. See, uh, what is it? CFFC Live has replay, it does do replays. They do replays? I think you can, if you go to CFFC, let's, let's actually check this out right now, live on air. CFFC. I do not know they do replays because I don't have an ESPN Plus sub anymore. Uh, you got rid of it. Yeah. So if you go to CFFC Live, um, 
It doesn't, does it? No, it does not have the VOD up. I thought it did. Maybe it's only a 24-hour thing. Like, it's up for 20, like, if it's up for 24 hours, I think. Okay, that's fair. Um, but yeah, if you let your ESPN Plus lapse, then I guess there's no VOD for you unless you record the game on TV. Yeah, we're still saying WGN and kind of cut the core or cut the sub for ESPN. But anyway, with with Barrage, he's become more spatially aware. I mean, yeah, he can't mm-hmm. score, but he provided that run for Frankowski for that third goal. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, in previous podcasts, I've always complained that uh, Barrage, you know, drifts everywhere in the field and someone needs to be there, keep him in check. But he's he's gone better. He's probably listened to this podcast, so. Well, they're they're playing with two strikers now. So that takes a lot. I won't say a lot of the pressure because his job is to score goals and that he is not scoring goals is still a problem. Capital A, capital P. But. He's a true, he's acting like a true number nine in a way without the goals. Right. He just needs the goals. Um, But yeah, his holdup play is good. Uh, And I think his, his, his passing is underrated. The problem is that's not what you brought him in for. You, you signed him to score goals. Um, but if, if, if he can find a way to contribute without, you know, scoring goals, and maybe, maybe that's what he needs to score goals is to, is to feel like he's contributing something to the team. Um, so it, if he if that if that's what it takes and he starts scoring goals the next couple of games because he's involved, um, that's fine. But he can't. It it's fine for me if he can if he if he tries to get into the game to come back into the game to 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 come back towards the midfield. It's when he the thing I have a problem with is when he goes sideline to sideline instead of staying in the middle to receive service. Instead of being outside and giving service, that's always been my problem with marriage. But I just kicked the garbage can. Um, but when he is contributing, whatever he's contributing is, is good. It's just maybe not what we want or need him to be. But if Ignacio Alicea is going to score two goals a game, uh, because Barrich is holding up the ball and, and getting it to outlets, and then Alaseda finishes it off. Fine. Um, yeah, I mean, um, names escaping off the top of my head, but there's a lot of strikers out there, especially towards the later stage of their careers. You know, um, you just provide space, and for other you know folks to score. I I wish I could name one right now. It's just too. Well, I mean, the, na- the the one that comes to my mind for obvious reasons is Dennis Bergkamp. Yeah. Like like Dennis Bergkamp, but Dennis Bergkamp also could score a goal from anywhere on the field. That's what made him special. But he was also a very good at distribution and and getting the other strikers involved. Um, that's what made his combination with uh, Ovamars and then later Thierry Henry so great was his ability to not just be able to go get a goal for himself, but also get goals for, for others. And if, you know, Barrich decide, has decided to be the guy who gets goals for others, great. 
as long as they go in the back of the net. Um, which brings us to MLS Team of the Week honoree, uh, Ignacio Alaceda, with two very good goals created um, rather differently. Um, his first goal, an excellent pass from Alvaro Madron. Um, and his second was, um, I believe, off a turnover, correct? I believe so, but it was, it was, um, I mean, there was a little bit of buildup, but yeah, from the uh, Herbers and Madron, Madron yeah. and Herbers and et cetera, et cetera. I, yeah, but the fight, they won the ball at midfield. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a play out of the back situation where they make 26 passes and then put the ball in the back of the net. No, it was a, it was a, a bit of a counterattack. Um, Man, we've been waiting for this since he signed with the club and, and started, you know, last year. This is the player that we were promised. Um, and, man, I loved seeing it. I love seeing it, too, but I want to get hyped. Really? You're not going to get on the hype train? Oh, but I will say this was the most enjoyable game for me personally, and I'm speaking as a fan since 2017 against the Union where the Fire won 3-2, I believe. So it's been this long where, since I've actually enjoyed a Fire game. But I'm not going to get on the hype train. I'm sorry. If you're not going to get on the hype train, I will gladly get on this hype train. Look, this is what Ignacio Alicedo is brought here to do. He's brought here to be the difference maker. Um... Because, you know, he, he's one of the few guys on this team that has the speed and strength uh, and, you know, skill to be able to produce exciting soccer. Uh, he's one of the few players on this team who do. And all the, all the good teams have multiple guys who can do that. Uh, you know, in, in Los Angeles, for example, you've got Diego Rossi and... Uh, Carlos Vela, um, and they're not doing too hot though this season. No, but they're still, I know what you mean, but you know what I mean. They still got have those guys, right? Like, if if uh, Gonzalo Higuain was in shape, you could say the same about Miami, (laughs) who aren't doing well, but still have the guys with the potential. Ignacio Alicedo is one of those guys with the potential, and he's and he, he finally. Um, delivered it. And that's not to say he wasn't playing badly since coming back from his injury. I actually don't think since he came back from his injury, he's had a bad performance. I think um, he played really well in the second half against Cincinnati when he uh, and Lucas Stojanovic came on. Uh, I think he played really well against uh, the Union. Uh, in the, I, I, I actually think of the, um, two goals that the fire scored in the game against the union, he created the dead ball situations that got both goals scored, I believe. Uh, and you know, two goals and an, and an assist, uh, against, um, Atlanta, I think. I think he's starting to hit his stride. I'm curious as to what 
Lukas Dojanovic is going to bring with him when he plays together with Alaseda. I th- I think those two have the potential of being special. Obviously, Lucas, it's clear watching him while he does have his moments of brilliance, he's still not 100% right with his, or I don't know if he's right. I think he's physically right. But like when you come back from a torn muscle in your knee, um, there's always a mental block that you need. You need to actually be playing and have time to go through. And I think he's at that stage where he's physically fine. But I don't think mentally he's past the injury. And um, and you can see that from his play. And, um, you know, I, I said earlier, I'm not going to get on the hype train, but, you know, once everything starts clicking into um, place, like, you know me, I'm I'm a big Luka supporter. So once Luka and all the Seda starts playing together, once, you know, the team gets rid of a certain dead weight, and once they start producing, you know, results, like whether if it's a draw or a win, then, you know, I'll, I'll start being happy. I'll start being excited. Um, but, you know, this was, yeah. the, these two results, these two last positive results were essentially against their B teams. Um, Which is I, fine. I, I, I mean, think Philadelphia played more guys against the fire. Than, but they were gassed out. They were tired. That's true. They, they were a little tired. Um, uh, I will say this a win that means a win is a win so well a win would put the fire on 11 points which would be tied for Cincinnati and they would be ahead of them finally on goal back on goal difference Um, by the way Cincinnati and Chicago out of the basement. Um, uh, I am happy that the fire is above Inter Miami or and Club Toronto. Club International. Oh, God bless Chris Armas, but <laughs> well, he's gone. Uh, they did fire him uh, Monday afternoon, which is probably right. But like Toronto's got extenuating circumstances, right? Because they're not all they're not playing games in Toronto. Uh, they have to play them in like Hartford or or Miami or wherever the hell they're playing their game. Oh, um, but um, yeah, I, 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 it's very hard to be a Canadian team at the moment. Like if you look at the Western, like um, Montreal should actually be praised for having sixteen points because um, they're not. To, but if you look like Vancouver is at the bottom with nine points. Toronto's got five points. Like it's not easy being a Canadian sports team playing in American leagues at the moment. Yeah, so Toronto is playing in Explorious Stadium down in Orlando. Okay, so they are in Orlando. Okay, um, Montreal's in the Pink Stadium with Miami. I do know that. Um, but yeah, it's hard for them to play. So like Toronto bottom. That's sad, but kind of expected. And and Jesse March. Or not Jesse Marsh. Chris Armis just lost his job. Uh, deservedly so, unfortunately. Which, by um, the way, I see on the hashtag that some folks want him up here. And, no. You know, I, I think he should. I mean, if he does come to the fire, I, he should be, I don't know, like take another role, but not head coach. I'd yeah. rather take Wiki over Armis. That's my hot take. I don't know if it's yours. Well, 
my hot take is something I wrote today. Um, that I think I I think the change to the back three, whether it's back five or a back three, is is doesn't exactly matter at this point. Um, I think that's done enough to save his job, especially if it keeps working. Um, because we know that the fire's problems are not caused by him. And I don't think he should suffer for the failures of George Heinz in putting together this roster. I think. But the thing is, I don't know if it's you or Patrick Herothras. Um, please forgive me. I can easily look this up right now, but like when, when, um, when Gaston eventually comes back, when um, Calvo eventually comes back, is Wiki obligated to play them? Because I think less so now that he can go to management and say, "Listen, we're winning without them. We keep riding the lineup we have until." Something Injuries. happens and they come back. Injuries or you lose a game and, and they come back in and, and show in training that they can do it. I'm a lot higher on Gaston Jimenez than a lot of people. Because, because right now, like, the... He's not... First of all, I, I want to acknowledge that before he went to Copa America, he was not playing well. Um, I want to make that perfectly clear that I know that. But I think the ceiling on Jimenez playing well is higher than the ceiling on Calvo playing well. As far as impact and actually how good they are on on the scale. Because what Jimenez wasn't doing was the visible part. Doing well was the visible part of his job, right? I mean, yeah, he's he's always done the dirty work, which is, you know, fine, but... You know, I, I think, and this is another hot take, but I think Herbers has done the dirty work, you know. Yeah, he's done the dirty better. work. And I don't think he's done the dirty work as well. I think he's done the dirty work well and has played better at the distribution part of the number six than Jimenez has. So... Like, right now, it doesn't matter, because I think he's still in Copa America. But no, they got, uh, Paraguay got knocked out a long sure. time ago. Okay, so, but he's not back yet, right? I, I don't know if he has to quarantine. I'm like, from, you know, Frankowski didn't have to quarantine. I don't know. No, but it's coming from Europe and coming from South America is completely different. So the, maybe he is quarantining, I don't know. But put it this way, I'm more willing to give guest on Jimenez shots than I am Francisco Calvo. I mean, same here, but would you want to break the wonderful pivot that, you know, with Madron and Herbers, what's going on right now? Um, well, I'm sorry really for the fireworks. Playing, right. Uh, they're not really playing in a double pivot. Exactly. Um, they're, they're sort of playing with Herbers at the eight and Madron at the six, except Herbers is getting the defensive assignments. Um, 
because if you notice, Madron's actually the player playing in between the levels. Um between, you know, the defense and, and the midfield and, and, and attackers. Coming back to get the ball, uh, that's Madron. But Herbers is the one getting the defensive assignments. Um, you know, the tracking out of the midfield and stuff. So it's it's not exactly a traditional double pivot where the it, it who goes forward is dependent upon which side of the ball is forward. So like if um the ball's on the right and they're attacking on the right, the left defender goes forward. Or if the ball's on the left, the right midfielder goes forward. It's a defender, a midfielder. Um they're playing on a lot more rigid structure where if they're attacking or have the ball, uh, Madron is, is further forward. And when they're, or Madron is actually back to playmake uh, from Herbers. And when they're defending, Herbers is the player furthest back. So it, it's actually pretty interesting what they're doing. Um, where it's not a traditional double pivot. It's more like two single pivots. Um, they just, depending on which team has the ball, where they are on the field changes. And that's actually pretty interesting how they're doing that. Um, of course, Herber comes, Herbers does come forward, you know, when there's a sustained attack, when there's time for him. Um, actually, something else that I've been thinking, that I was thinking about in Atlanta, against Atlanta, that um, hasn't been happening from a... Um, defensive point of view is that against Atlanta, a lot of the fires attacks were either were, were finishing with the ball, either going a shot happening or the ball going out of play, which gave time for the defenders who may or may not have gotten a little too far forward to come back. Whereas in previous games, um, oftentimes they finished with a, a live ball as opposed to a dead ball where the defense would have to be scrambling to get back to stop a counter. Now they're finishing where that's not happening. And I think that's something, another big thing that has improved their play is the fact that they are not allowing other teams to counter. And I think that's something we're going to need to watch against Orlando City coming up on Wednesday is do the fire finish their attacks or are they giving Orlando City the opportunity to um, counterattack and, and take advantage of some scrambling? Well, I think with, and I think, you know, um, Atlanta was like the beta test for Orlando, but you know Orlando's a more like we said earlier. They're they're a more attacking team, especially you know with their roster right now. They have a healthy roster. I think the Flyers should try to neutralize you know any sort of any attack from Orlando, whether it's you know counterattack, pressing, or or whatever. 
definitely yeah because um, the moment um also atlanta didn't press they didn't which press. is the other thing if you let we know that if you let the fire have control of the ball they'll kill you um if they if they can finish but but they'll create scoring opportunities if you let them have the ball it's when you press them that things they lose control on. um so it, it, Orlando has to press the fire if they want to beat the fire. I don't know. I don't know what they're pre- I haven't watched a lot of Orlando City, so I don't exactly know what their pressing game is like. Um but if they let the fire have the ball, you know, and, and let them dictate the pace, Orlando's going to have a lot of problems. Um so okay. Um, I think that's it for Atlanta. Unless you know, there's some other stuff you want to talk about. No, um, not really. I mean, it was. Um, I attended the game, but um, you know, from from that perspective, it it was great seeing you know, almost 15k fans back. You know, in the stadium, yeah, the, was... the atmosphere uh, on television, at least, sounded really good. How how was the atmosphere? In the it was it was wonderful. It, it felt like 2017. I know I say 2017 because that's, you know, the well, last, last year they were good. Yeah, last year they were good. Um, it felt electric. It, it was just, you know, as, as what the kids call them these days, good vibes all around. Um, did you get the patch? I did. How does it look? It's pretty great. It's pretty high quality. I mean, no, I, I don't mean the, the patch themselves. I mean, how does... Oh, now that the logo is 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 not just a picture on a screen, how does it look in real life compared to the 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 images of it? It looks pretty great. Like I, I'm still B plus on it, but I I put it against one of um uh, one of my old red jerseys I have, and it looks wonderful on a red jersey. I wish I had the lakefront jersey so I can you know place it on there. Since, you know, with the mock-ups and everything, you know, um, I think it's one of the best. But the, the logo is wonderful. It's amazing. Um, but it's still B-tier. Okay. But it, but it it looks better in person than it does on the page. Mm-hmm. And I once, you know, the fire comes back to a red jersey in 2024 or whatever, It's I, I think it's going to be one of the best jerseys out there. Well, that's that. That's good to know, and it makes me feel a little better about it. Because, like I said, I thought it looked fine, but who really knows? Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, no. I mean, uh, it was great seeing Bornstein. Um, because I was sitting. Um, oh yeah, that was fun. With sector leasing, it was it was great seeing Bornstein. You know, come up there. I, I, we haven't seen that since like the early 2010s, if anything. No, that's that's you know Chris Rolf, yeah, Patrick Niako coming in. Oh, uh, one thing we should mention is the Fire U19s won the first ever MLS Next Cup in their age group. Um, so that's cool. I I watched a little bit of the tournament. Um, I watched one of their group games. Um, and uh. 
they've got some some players on the U19s that they should probably be offering contracts to. I think. Um, definitely Misael Rodriguez, who scored the game winner in the final, um, but also played really well throughout the entire tournament. And then he scored a hat trick the game before. I th- he did score a hat trick in like the semifinal. I mean, the the transfer window does open tomorrow on Wednesday. Well, you don't need to be in the transfer window really? to sign a homegrown, do you? I don't know. I I like MLS changes their rules every single year, so I. Okay. So who knows? Um, Forgive me for not knowing, or you know, but totally fair. Um, but yeah, I I think him they need to sign. I think Justin Reynolds played okay. I believe that's. Andre Reynolds' little brother, or maybe older brother. I don't know. Younger, I believe. Yeah, definitely younger, but like Irish twins younger, maybe like 13, 14 months. I don't know. Um, Regardless, maybe a year or two. um, He played pretty well. He plays on the opposite side of AJ. So, like, you could have the brothers Reynolds playing right back and left back conceivably on this team, which would be neat to have a, a pair of brothers be on defense. I think he played okay. Um, there's that one kid, Frazera, I think, who plays for Indiana in college who was really good and I think is going back to school, but the Flyers should try and sign him anyway. Um... There, there's a lot of talent in the Fire Academy, and thank, and I'll say this for George Heinz, when he came in, uh, Nelson Rodriguez wanted to get rid. Remember this, right? Nelson Rodriguez was trying to get rid of the academy, or at least farm it out, privatize it, farm it out, or whatever. What the hell was he watching? There's a lot of really good players in this Fire Academy. Um, and I think if, you know, three or four of them transition to the next level, um, you know, you could you could start, you know, you could start with the Philadelphia, be up there with the Philadelphia Union selling players off to Europe for eight figures and you know, maybe spending some of that on the, on big name players you or, or, or whatever you could, you could definitely be there. I, I, I think that there's enough talent for you to start being able to make money selling players to Europe. I also do want to see the fire, um, at least give more of their homegrowns, you know, minutes. I, I know Gutierrez, you know, he's been wonderful, but you know, what about, um, Alan Rodriguez. There's also Alex Monis. Um, I think both of them are probably going to go out on loan. Yeah, uh, especially 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 once Stanislav Ivanov mm-hmm. is healthy enough to come back. I think you're going to start. I think Alex Monis is going to go out on loan. And then uh, who else is there? Oh, Nick Slonina. Um, we haven't seen. We haven't heard of him. Isn't, like... uh, isn't he in Madison? I don't think so. I I think um, that that one that one kid's in Madison. Uh, the goalkeeper. Oh, the, uh, the goalkeeper. Brady. Is in Ma- yeah, Brady's Brady. in Madison, 
and um, Reynolds is in on Reynolds Memphis, Memphis. and yeah. I think those are the only two players out alone. The rest, yeah. But I, I, I think we're going to start to see some loans once the transfer window opens. You're going to see the fire start loaning out players, um, because um, they're Gotta make room for uh. Josie Altador, uh, who else? David well, Luiz. No, I, I, Josie Altador is not. I think Josie Altador is actually going to stay in Toronto, um, because oh, the coaching situation. The yeah, coaching so. situation is changing. Um, so I, I, I actually am more inclined to say that if they didn't fire Chris Armas, I'd say it was a better chance. But since they did, uh, I, I think Josie is going to stay in Toronto. He's either going to stay in Toronto or he's going to... Um, honestly, I think he could move to Miami because he's from Florida. Do they even have... Like, like all, all memes aside, but do they even have room for him there? I don't know. Look, the Gonzalo Higuain thing is just not working. It's just not. Um, and And they need to figure out you, um, you know, I think it's more of a, a Neville thing, but I mean, I do too. I think he's horrible. I think it was a dumb hire, and I think they're paying for it right now. And it's it's just a classic case of nepotism. So sure, but I think you know, um, I I think that now that you say that does Josie Altador really want to go play for Gary Neville I don't think so right who would it's like who would want to play for Frank DeVore who wants like he's he's one of those coaches who unless he you know was placed there out of nowhere then you really wouldn't want to go there that's fair what a dumb hire that was Jesus Christ and we all knew it was a dumb hire too. And there were some people on, on the internet being like, oh, give it a chance. Give it a chance. No, is it just a dumb hire? Also, signing Ryan Shawcross is a bad idea. He's just terrible. That the club should just, I don't know, just rebrand to the fusion. Uh, hire uh, Roy Hudson and get back Kyle Beckerman and Nick Romando. Just re-sign the entire 2001 Miami Fusion team. Did you say Roy Hogs? No, Ray Hudson. Oh, I thought you said Roy. I was like, he's retired. I actually think I might have said Roy. But I meant Ray Hudson. Who, who was, before before he was the poet of soccer analysts, he was actually a pretty good coach. Um, I'm surprised no one tried to hire him. No one's tried to hire him, actually. Uh, anyway, that is it for us here at the, um, what podcast is this? It's the Hotcast, not the North Lot. I did almost say the North Lot, but I didn't, except just now when I said it. Anyway, you can find us on Twitter at the Hodcast. You can email us, northlotpodcast at gmail.com, because I haven't changed the email address, and I probably never will, because I'm lazy like that. Uh, you can find us on iTunes where you can give us a great review because that'll help more Chicago Fire fans discover uh, our podcast. Uh, you, we are also on Google Play 
and basically every single podcast app you can think of except for Stitcher. And I'm still not sure why. Uh, we will talk to you again next week uh, where hopefully we talk about a couple of Chicago Fire points getting performances. Uh, which will be nice against Orlando City on Wednesday. And um, whoever they're playing on Saturday. Who are they playing on Saturday? Nashville, I believe. Nashville? Okay. Which, by the way, I I don't know how to feel. I I know we're about to end, but I I just want to say I don't know how to feel about that uh, soccer Moses person. I love it. They're playing, uh, yeah, Nashville on Saturday. On the 17th. Um, One last thing we should talk about. Uh, Apparently, uh, I think we were supposed to get Arlo White. We did. We got him for four games. Columbus, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, and Atlanta. He's going off to call the Olympics. How do you think he did? I I thought, no disrespect to Tyler Terrence, but it was just another level of broadcast. Oh, I... From the two games that I was able to listen to him, um, he's been wonderful, and I, I can't wait till he comes back. I'm sorry. I said he might have been too much of a homer a couple, a, a little bit, but he never got to like Hawk Harrelson. So it was just the right amount of homerism. I thought he was great. No, he, I, I can't wait. I mean, um. I won't be watching the Olympics that much, apart from a few soccer games, but... No, well, that's I, where you hear him. Yeah. He's doing both... I believe he's the lead announcer, both men's and women's, with Julie Fowdy. Okay, that's cool. And then I will be, you know, listening to him, and I can't wait till he comes back here next year. Yeah, maybe for a longer stretch of games, because there won't be an Olympics. Well, also, before we sign out for real, yeah. um, please, Fire fans, don't do the wave. Yes. Please. Please. I've been seeing it at White Sox games, too, and it's annoying as hell. Stop it. It's like, so bad. That almost ruined my chicken tenders. And the, <laughs> the wave overall, almost ruined a man's chicken tenders. That's the overall bad. mood of the game. It's like, no, don't do the wave. and It's like, whatever. It's, just don't do it, please. It's bad. Stop it. We're going to get docked three points if that happens again. Yeah, we're running on 46 minutes. We got 46 minutes of time. All right. See ya. Last week, so we got to go. We will see you then. Uh, have a good rest of your week. We hope to talk to you after the fire. Uh, get some more points and stop doing the wave.